we start this episode, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land and pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to this episode of the Champions of Change Sponsorship Action Group podcast, focusing on the last mile. Isabella Alberti, who is the People and Character Coordinator at BBN, and myself, Brian Closey, Head of People and Character at BBN, will be hosting today's conversation. And we'll be talking to Catherine Love, Director and Sector Lead Hospitality at PTW in Sydney. Catherine's expertise in a diverse range of building types from hospitality mixed used, including luxury high-rise residential and retail, social housing, educational and health is well recognised. Appointed a PTW Director of the Sydney and Ho Chi Minh office in 2016 and Sector Lead Hospitality, Catherine was previously Design Director of the Shanghai office and Deputy General Director for Vietnam. Catherine regularly contributes to industry forums such as Women in Construction and Design, Design in Australia Build Week Online, and has participated as a tutor, lecturer, and guest critic in a range of architectural education courses at UNSW and other university TAFE programs. Welcome, Catherine. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. Right. So we're here to talk about sponsorship and ideally looking at sort of mid-size and large practices. When we, we reflect on who are part of Champions of Change, where it's been noted that the women's pathway to equity in the, over that last mile can be quite a difficult one. So we're looking at the idea of sponsorship for that. So Catherine, you, there was a lot of things to uh, think about when you went looking for sponsorship. What were the challenges that you faced? Because I'd come back from overseas, my challenge was that I wasn't known in this local environment by the people that I needed to be known by here, and that was stated clearly. And I must say that I I was quite frustrated by that. So what I needed to do was rebuild my whole reputation. So what I did was speak to my director, very clearly declared my intentions, and find other supportive people who would listen to what I was wanting to achieve or reachieve. Then I had to think strategically, so I devised a business plan to engage the relevant people, and that was supported by the research and knowledge and my experience of having worked in the other offices and knowing what I thought I could bring to their business. So I lobbied. Whilst I needed to be seen to be doing my job well to impress on what I was capable of doing so there was no task too small and having a very willing attitude, there was a bit of luck. It was good timing for me. But what I was really trying to do in the business plan was this is what I can do for PTW and this is why I'm in a new, unique position that I can fulfil this business plan. So it was a strategic sort of... Uh, approach. Wow, that's quite amazing. So you actually had to do a business plan of of how you were going to get yourself into a directorship role, which is amazing. So if you were lobbying, were you getting any feedback? Like, so if you do business plan, was there any reaction to that? Was there any guidance? Did someone overtly say, I will sponsor you and give you feedback along the way? No, because this was quite a a fair time ago and I don't think sponsorship was really thought of in a structured way. 
I think that's where bringing in your experience. I had run a, a solo practice previously, so I knew how to do a business plan. And that was one of the unique things that I could provide because there, uh, my colleagues around me couldn't do that. So that was one of my value adds that I could provide. It was me sort of coming up with, well, this is what we could do. This is this is the sector. So the sector was hospitality. And I knew from having worked in the other firms around Asia, what we had as an asset that was an unrealised asset. That's why I went to them and said, okay, we've got this. You may not be aware of it because in those days, PTW was a much more insular. Our cities operated as cells. And so I was bringing the awareness to the executive in Sydney. So there was no feedback. It was me presenting um, this business plan to the executive and saying, this is how I see it. <laughs> what happened with the feedback was, well, that's great. And the realisation from their point of view was, this is somebody who knows how to do a business plan, who knows how to grow business from previous experience of having run my own practice. What they said to me was, okay, well, that's a great idea. Park that idea. We want you actually to go in and develop the ID team, which was a very, in its infancy, we'd always had an ID team, but it was only a team of two. So it wasn't really anything that you could really talk about as a business. So they said, so, okay, even though you're saying you've come to us about hospitality, we'd like you to do ID. And I think sometimes it's about jumping at opportunities when they arrive. So I did. I said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do the ID. Secretly, I was, you know, sort of, well, how do I do this? Because I don't have any training in ID, but I did know how to grow a business. So I said, yeah, sure, fine, I'll do that. But always wanted to be doing the hospitality still. So in fact, I had my secret business plan and I had my, yes, I will do this. So I, it was fortuitous in that hospitality and idea. So they're so in harmony with each other that I could grow both at the same time. Still, we got to a place where I said, well, I think we're now in a position where we can actually go out and hire a, a, a dedicated, trained person in ID as uh, the ID director and I'll keep growing the hospitality sector. And they said, yeah, sure. Yeah. That because by that time I, you know, it sort of proved that, yes, I was, I was able to grow the, the, the business in that way. And that was really what they were looking for is a good, good diversity. And that fitted in with their overall aims and goals, which is why I said it was good timing. Uh, they were looking for a diversification. I didn't know that but it made sense to me um, from a business point of view. So there was a lot that I didn't know that was, you know, in what they were wanting to do and I just happened to walk in at the right time. So some of it was just good luck. So it sounds like you had a really good mindset to be adaptive at that time. Yes. And to be honest, to be to have to prove yourself again considering where you're at. So there's a resilience that you had there. Do you think your pathway could have been could have felt a little easier if the sponsorship you were getting behind closed doors was more overt, like if they talked to you more explicitly around, okay, you need to do this for a year, or I get that you want to do this, but over here in terms of hospitality, but the the interior designer, the ID stuff is the first step where you're going? Definitely it would have made it clearer and it would have been more structured and, yes, you would have had timelines and things like that. But in a way, 
I've been thinking about um, this recently in a way that might not have, that might have been just too comfortable. And I think what um, PTW needed at the time was innovators and people that did have the agility to build business and not over this long time frame with milestones. So, yes, I, I absolutely think it would have helped my peace of mind a lot. I wouldn't have been so sort of fraught about how to do this without any sort of guidelines around. That definitely has positive aspects to it. But I also think in this case, what they were looking for was innovators and people who could bring something new to the business. So I think that happened to work in my favour in in that circumstance. No, it's such an impressive story, Catherine. So given your lived experience and the challenges you faced and even using your own words about trying to find the right people to talk to, what kind of impact do you hope to have on the women that you sponsor and how would you measure that impact? I would hope that it would be a positive. One of the things that I'm very proud about in PTW is that there is 50-50 directors in the director group and that pretty well goes all the way through the, the company and I'm not sure that many companies can boast that. So I'm really happy that that's there. That's not to say that I think that there aren't improvements definitely that could be made. So some of it is about providing motivation you know, saying and perhaps providing narratives and stories and experiences, knowledge and suggestions on how people might approach what they're wanting to do because not everyone's wanting to become a PTW director. People are wanting other things and so it's listening to what they want and then providing that those suggested pathways who they might find a good mentor or uh, somebody like that. In in fact, we've I've asked people, well, what do you want to do? And they'll say, they'll identify somebody and they'll say, we think this person is a perfect example. And so you pair them up as buddies. You provide, you try and provide those pathways um, that they can reach their own success. And I think that's the measurement of it is people being fulfilled professionally in whatever their goals are. And I don't think everyone has the same goals. But as long as people you're communicating with the the person and finding out what their what their goals are and then seeing the success as they achieve their goals, which comes out as I hope, professional satisfaction. No, absolutely. And Touching on a, another topic as well. So a lot of women in practice, they take on caring responsibilities. And although things are shifting nowadays, so this tends to result in a lot of women working part-time. So how do you plan on supporting these women, especially senior women, if that's what they want to in the last mile? We have that happening in our associates, senior associates and directors. I mean, the caring is either for the kids or for um, ageing parents, for instance. I mean, I've personally been supported with ageing parents uh, and I've had great sort of support and that's what we 
want to be giving anyone who's in those circumstances with either children or ageing parents and also the, the male parents as well. So we've set in place. We still, even though there's a preference for people to come in and work and, and collaborate in the office, we still give flexible hours so that people can drop off their kids, etc., or stay at home if they need to on certain days where they don't have the carers. So we listen to what that person's needs are and then try to work around that need. Yeah, I think that's really important is to, and I think it ties back into Catherine where you spoke about earlier, that not everybody wants to climb to the top of the mountain. No. So it's about allowing them to land wherever they feel their potential is or facilitates the phase of life that they're in. Did you find that in your observations that, and it's, an amazing achievement that it's 50-50 in terms of gender spread across and through the practice, considering that I think in the late, the last census report, it was something like 12% of ownership is for women in larger practices. So have you observed that the pathway for women within PTW has eased with the fact that they can see women in the roles if they do want to get to directorship or that you have someone in a position of influence that they can go and talk to? Because... Some of the challenges might be that in an all-male ownership model that there isn't that understanding of the flexibility and the needs where people are understanding that this is the lived experience for women in practice. I'm not sure that it's got to that ease that might be ideal yet. I think one of the big changes for us was when um, with the male champions of change and that when our practice leader attended that and was talking with other practice leaders, that definitely ensured that there was more empathy. And so the engagement by the higher echelons of PTW management definitely helped open eyes. And I think that some of our senior women are vocal or and will be heard in what they need. So it's not perfect yet. We're st- I think it's still under negotiation and and it's still a negotiation a negotiated pathway I, I feel but it's much more open for instance on a project that I'm on at the moment the lead designer mid-level with kids two days a week she works four days a week two days a week's at home because of her kids and she's because of her husband's um, job is often solo parent so we just take that on board and try and work, find the best ways of working around that for each circumstance. Excellent. Have you found that how you consider sponsoring someone has changed? Like you, are you more open with them because there's mentoring someone, but as you advocate for them, do you tell them that you're advocating? Cause I don't, I feel sometimes people are torn to, if I tell them they might be disappointed because they might have a newfound expectations. So how, how do you navigate that? I find that there are two responses. I am perhaps notorious for being fairly open and transparent within what I can be as as a director with, you know, certain understandings that there are certain things that, that are not for public knowledge. And I find with some staff they want to know and other staff get actually quite agitated if you reveal too much. So you really have to be aware of each staff's personality and tailor how you're communicating with them on their, their personality, what they really want to know. Or, you know, some say, look, I, I just don't need to know 
all, all of it. If you try and explain to them, you know, some of the, the – if they're coming to you, for instance, for a salary rise or a promotion and it's not quite possible at that stage and you explain to them the process, I've seen one email where um, saying blah, blah, blah <laughs> when you're trying to be very clear <laughs> about it. So you think, oh, I've got to find another way to make this communication the, the right way of communicating. So I think this is still me on a learning curve on how to best support each person. Yeah, fascinating. And I think that's a really important aspect that it's not this formula or something that you roll out. You have to understand who the people are mm. and where they're at. So with that, part of the challenge, I think, for some people or the perception is that if we identify somebody, then there's those that we've left behind or we do that. And you talked earlier about that PTA we were looking for innovators when you arrived on the scene and that really suited you and how you're going about it. And you demonstrated that through I can build business and here's a business plan. The criteria, like potential is a huge thing, like every, every human being has potential. So for in PTW, is that something that it depends on what the business needs that you look at it? It's not because I assume an assumption is a dangerous thing that you don't have a here's a director KPI list or here's a list of things that we need from directors. So we'll look for people who fulfill this. We do have those lists of project. We have descriptions at, of each levels, um, the sorts of skills that an associate should be demonstrating and what would be anticipated that a senior associate skills would be. And we share those with the staff so that they're aware of what they would be needing to do. But you're right. It's not tick list so that if you do all of those things, then you will immediately go into that next category because there are only so many directors and so many senior associates, etc. So there's other perhaps intangibles that you're talking about, which might be market forces. It might be the way that what the business is going through. So even though you might tick all those boxes at a point in time, at that p- point in time, we might be going through, uh, dare I say it, a recession or, a, or some other point in time that even though all those things exist, you, you just, we cannot in this time frame. So I guess that's fulfilled that pathway. So I guess that's possibly one of the things when you have a program and a time and all these sorts of things, it doesn't take into account the external factors that might happen that could prolong or make that a shorter program. What happens if six directors were to resign in one week or something like that, then suddenly there's a whole lot of openings or, you know, things like that. So there are obviously the circumstances that happen in the business. And that's where I talked about a little bit of, in my case, it was good luck. Sometimes it is just that there are other circumstances beyond that structured pathway and beyond the project description. Yeah, excellent. If someone's listening today, Catherine, and they're keen on sponsorship, if you had one key takeaway or message for them about the power of sponsorship, what would it be? I guess the outcome is professional fulfilment is the key takeaway for the individual going through it. If you're asking from the point of view of what the applicant needs to do, I think it's because I answered so many before, what what would the one be? I I think it's motivation because there are actually so many parts to that jigsaw, I I think, which is why 
um, job descriptions have more than one thing. So it's, I guess it's motivation as the applicant, but also the uniqueness of who you are. Yeah, excellent. And, probably, yeah. and if you were to then give advice to business owners who maybe haven't done sponsorship before, what do you think it would be for them? As I said, originally we weren't, when I was in 2014 and 15, it wasn't a structured approach. And we're really um, only now putting in place the, these things. So I think communication, that's the underlying key thing, open communication with your staff. And that's for so many reasons. Not, I mean, that has so many benefits, I think. It's not a secret environment. It's not hidden behind closed doors and, oh, what's going on there, which um, divides the, the us and the them. So I think that's transparency and open communication would be the first step for a number of desired outcomes. It's really good. Thanks, Catherine. Amazing. And what a fascinating story, Catherine. Thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your experiences with us. Thank you very much for the opportunity. No problem. So one of the things that really stood out for me listening to your story is the positive benefits of sponsorship, Catherine. I think, and there are many, you alluded to different stories in there, and especially around um, women and the societal challenge they face about the care, taking the load in caring responsibilities and how that open communication and facilitating their needs is really important. So I think that approach to sponsorship, that it's not just about the opportunities, but actually supporting them in that phase of life seems to be hugely important. So if you're out there as a business owner and you're thinking about actively sponsoring people, that is one of the strongest ways that we can get women in equity in practice, because we do need to shift from that 12%. I think there's, that's a battle we definitely need to do. So um, thank you again, Catherine, and thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.